in that. It's not having a snooze, but there's a, a rest that comes um, that legitimately rests on the inside of us, if you will. And so I, I wanna, that's what I want to talk about today. Is that okay? Cool. Because I figure by the time we get to the end of it, it should be a majority of us who realise that we're not there. And it should be the smallest minority that realise, hey, praise God that I've done this well. That's, that's just my gut feel. Anyway, Father, have your way today. Challenge us. Do what you have to do, Lord God, that we may hear your word, that we may live more like Jesus, that we may be more like Jesus so that we can lead more to Jesus, we pray. So, Father, speak. Speak to us all, Lord, whether we're here in person, whether we're at home today, whether we're watching or listening at another time, may you speak to us, Lord God, that we would take some nuggets, some gold, some truth away from you. We just love you, love you so dearly. We give you all the glory and all these people said, amen. So Hebrews 8.1, I've got a, a stack of passages of scripture that, that, to try to make many points. So let's see how we go. Hebrews 8.1 reads, here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven, seated at the right hand. We're good with that. Now, the Bible also says that as he is, so are we in this world. 1 John 4.17 This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Are we cool so far? Yeah? Good. Because these are stepping stones. So that means you and I can experience being seated with him at the right hand of God. All right? Now, I reckon, in most cases, being seated is a place of rest. Yeah? You could stand all day and be tired, or you can sit all day. You'd probably still be tired, but generally speaking, being seated is a place of rest. Is that okay? Now, in the Old Testament, it actually says that the priests never sat down when they were ministering. There were no chairs in the tabernacle of Moses, not a, not a single chair in the tabernacle or in the temple, because as far as they were concerned, as priests of God, called of God, God's work was never finished, never finished. So they never sat down in the tabernacle or in the temple, ever. But... Scripture also says that Jesus sat down because his work was finished. Yeah? It says in Hebrews 10, verses 11 to 13, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin, Good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honour at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. I love this. This is so good. Who is the one who makes the enemies our footstool? Who's the one? It's not us, is it? It's God. Even Jesus himself is seated waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool. So God at Father is at work even for the Son. So God's, if God's word is truth and God keeps his word, then God for me is telling us to rest 
while he makes sit with me, sit with my son, while I make your enemies your footstool. That's the way I read this compilation of, of, of scriptures. Now, that, that goes for every day in all things, yeah? Including, let's call them the defeated enemies, but that, that's including the defeated enemies of sickness, of disease, of burnout, yeah? Of poverty, of depression, of anger, anxiety, all kinds of curses being put under our feet while we sit, rest in him and with him. With me so far? Good, because there's a lot of really serious faces out there. Really should smile, it's sunny outside. It's awesome. Now, you and I, therefore, I'm suggesting, need to live from a place of rest. Now, remember, rest is not a snooze, it's not a nap, though we love that type of rest as well, but it's a rest internally. Things inside are no longer warring, yeah? They're no longer nagging at us when we're actually in rest with the Lord. Things are um, at a... At a much better place. So the start of living from rest is actually, if you're asking me, and from the word, is knowing, one, whose you are. Not who you are, whose you are. And whose we are is we're God's. We belong to him. We're his children, yeah? It's knowing, actually knowing this in our knower, not up here, because we all know it up here. It's knowing it in our knower, in our hearts. That's why the Bible talks about guarding our hearts. It's not about just guarding to keep stuff out. That's what the church wants to tell you. But it's guarding what God has already placed in there because it's from there the foundation that we live our life. Yeah, It's knowing who we belong to. We belong to God. It's knowing that we are in him and that he is in us, the Bible suggests. It's knowing what we mean to him, that he loves us so much that he would actually go to the extent of sending his son to a cross to die. Also, that we could be in right relationship with him. I mean, that's some love. That's the truth that we guard in our hearts. That's reality. Now, the, the problem is, generally today, we are so busy. My son's 16. He's so busy like, seriously, Melanie worries all the time. He needs to rest more. He's doing too many work shifts. And when he's not doing work shifts, he's teaching instruments. And when he's not teaching instruments, he tries to find time to go out. And then he wants to play. And then he wants to write songs. And then he wants to work at the gym. And then he wants to play football. And it's just like his life as a 16-year-old so busy. Imagine the rest of us. I'd say all of us have got a story where life is just busy. It seems like it's like that. And what happens is busyness actually wars. It, it, it fights our awareness of God. Yeah? And think about the season that we're in. How insane the world is outside at the moment. And how quickly people are running just to get stuff done, all in the hope of sitting down at 10 o'clock at night so they can go to bed at midnight and get up at 5 or 6 a.m. And it starts all over again. Somewhere stuff skew if here. Yeah? Because busyness war, it fights over our awareness of God. Busyness is, is one of the ploys of the enemy. It's, it's one of his go-tos. If I can keep God's people busy enough, remember he comes to what? Steal, kill and destroy, yeah? Our faith. So if I can keep them busy enough, I can rob them of their awareness of God. 
That's all he has to do. He doesn't even have to bring bad stuff in your life. Because sometimes we're busy because things are good. Oh, things are so good. Doors are opening up. I'm now, I'm on the board here. I'm a chair there. I'm playing sport here. Going to the, we just get so busy and our awareness of God is eroded and the enemy sits back and goes, yeah. You know, it's like that old, that old cartoon, oh, Magoo, you've done it again. Who remembers that? Those are old enough. And the devil sits back and he pats himself on the shoulder and he goes, oh, Lucifer, you've done it again. Because he watches God's children running around like rabbits. We're all so busy. And the busier we are, the less aware we are of him. And you see, you and I, we enlarge our awareness of God through and in the place of rest. It's not in what we do. It's not where we serve. All those things are good and needed and part of the outworking of our faith. But that's not where the... Awareness of God grows. The awareness of God, it grows in rest, in him, with him. So you and I have to keep and maintain that, that rest, that space sacred, if we actually understand what it is. Because that's the atmosphere that our faith grows. My hobby horse lately has been challenging the church of late, if you remember, to ask a simple question before you give, is this an act of faith? People that struggle to give, I'm telling you, people that struggle to give, it's because in their faith, they've not rested and sat with God. Because when you speak to men and women of God that are doing phenomenal things and are spending money that you and I can't comprehend, they have this faith because they've sat with God that I saw God do this when I gave this much and now I have no problem giving at all. So for those of us that at times struggle, it certainly, I'm telling you, comes down to sitting with him in rest. Yeah, that's where we connect with God the most, in rest. We don't have to fight. We don't have to strive for everything, for anything that God wants to give us. We just need to enter his rest. And again, rest isn't taking a nap. It's not doing nothing. Yeah, it's not sitting on your laurels. It's, it's a rest on the inside. Because do you want to know what God's definition of rest is? Hebrews 3 talks about how the children of Israel, they weren't allowed to enter the promised land. Yeah, We know the story from the Old Testament. You're not going to go there. You're going to send them around to the desert 40 years. Really, because all he wanted was a whole generation of people to die off because they were complainers. So by the time they get to the promised land, it's a whole new generation of people that are no longer whinging and whining. Yeah? So God says, hey, you're not going to the promised land. I'm not going to allow you to enter the promised land, all because they, they were doubting God's word. But the scripture, the scripture doesn't say they will never enter my promised land. What it says is in Hebrews 3.11, so in my anger, I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. They will never enter. That means that what the physical land was to the children of Israel in the Old Testament, God's grace and rest is for us, the believer in the New Testament. Rest is our promised land. It, we're not talking about heaven. We're talking about here and now. God is offering us, wanting to give us and lead us into our promised land, which is, as he suggests, a place of rest. God's grace and rest are to the believer under the new covenant. The place of rest is our promised land. 
This is a place that we can live in and from. Rest. You know, God's word actually tells us to fear not. Some suggest that, and I've heard it said that they're like 300, and it's almost the same as days in the year, 365 fear nots in the Bible. Um, I reckon the, the truer number is probably 120 to 150, depending on a tra- the translation, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, there's a lot of times that God says fear not. Yeah? Do you know that there's only one thing the Bible tells us to fear? Oh, no, it's better than that. Hebrews 4.1. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Man, this is, this is freaking me out. This is really like God's promise of entering his rest. So it still stands for us. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of us might fail to experience it. You know what I love? Because people will say, oh, his promised land, his rest, that's heaven. But we don't experience heaven. We live in heaven. That's, where we, that's an eternity. The scripture doesn't say, um, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you may not live in it for eternity. It says that some of you may not experience it. We experience here and now just like a snapshot, a, a glimpse of what he's got in store for us. And we should tremble with fear that we may not that we may fail to experience this rest here and now. And I love that. God tells us to fear that we don't enter rest. So why is it that so many of us worry about a stack of things and, and, and everything that God tells us not to be afraid of, we're afraid of, and the one thing that he tells us to be afraid of, we don't even consider. Like seriously... Think about it. I'm telling you, this is all of us in the room. None of us have got a fear about not entering the rest of God. We've never considered it that way. For some of us, I've read the scripture, but it's never really, I've never really noticed it. But all the stuff that he tells us not to be fearful of, not to worry about, we worry about all the time. All of us. Money, relationships, cars, houses, churches, stuff. Disease, COVID, oh, I've got to wear a mask. It's not critique, it's just commentary, yeah. yeah. But still, well, we're all so busy and we all worry and fret over different things and we strive and we work and we fight over all sorts of situations, don't we? We are, rather than living from rest, in rest, we are restless. No rest, we are restless because we're busy. Every time someone says, how are you? I've been busy. You know what? Change it and I guarantee you, you'll stop answering this way. Next time someone says, how are you going? Why don't you say, oh, I'm restless. Say that because that's what you're saying. I'm so busy, which means you've got no rest. You're not living in rest. Just tell them the truth. Stop wearing a mask. I'm busy. No, you're restless. I'm restless. We've got to be rest conscious and, and not worried about the stuff that's around us. I mean... That, that, that story of the promised land, there's so many lessons from it. Exodus 3.8. 
So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites now live. Wow, lots of ites. God told the children of Israel that he'd come to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah? Land flowing. That means the promised land is a place that's flowing with abundance, that's flowing with provision. And because God spoke it, (laughs) it's a sure promise. Because if God says it, God will do it. Because he's a man slash God of his word. That's who he is. That's how he is. So the Israelites, they send 12 spies into the land for 40 days, don't they? And they chose to believe the report of the 10 who said the, Israelite, the, the land can't be taken because it's inhabited by giants. The tribe of Anak, Numbers 13.3, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Instead of focusing on God's goodness, what he had promised them, instead of focusing on the promise itself, the children of Israel focused on the giant problem. They, they focused on the, the Anakim, as they were called, yeah? And they were weighed down with anxiety and fear. They couldn't enter the promised land, the place of rest for them, yeah? Because they weren't able to trust God. They were more concerned with the problem ahead of them than the promise of God. So many of us, so many of us know people, and I don't know what it's like to have a terminal illness. I've had people in my own family that have had a terminal illness, but so many who don't have a faith with God finish their years restless because they can't sit in God's rest, trusting him regardless of which way it goes, and they focus more on the issue and the problem and the sickness than the goodness of our God and the promise that he has for us to sit in rest. Yeah? They feared the giants. And yet, they should have feared not entering rest. You know, they couldn't enter their promised land. They couldn't enter their place of rest. You know, we, should, we already know that we should fear not entering rest, not entering our place of rest. We should fear being restless. If we're busy, that should be, um, particularly now in the season that I'm walking through with my wife, in walking and talking with other pastors that are in burnout, have been out on stress leave and stuff like that, some of that is because we have, they have become so busy. They have lost their rest, their place of rest. And so they're operating from a place of, if you will, restlessness. And when that happens, the wheels fall off. The Israelites were full of fear. Hebrews 3.19 says, So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Some of us, if we're struggling with just resting with God, it's because of an unbelief that he's got it in control. Because got it in control doesn't mean that it's going to play out and pan out the way that we would like, though there are things that we would like to go a particular way. You know, if I know someone with a terminal illness, I want them healed. You know, as wonderful as it might sound for them to go home to heaven, my heart is for it 
for them to be healed, but it's not always going to go the way that I want, is it? Their unbelief. When we're restless, we're fearful. Yeah? Play on words. When we're restless, there's no rest. When we're restless, we're fearful. And not fearful of not entering his rest, but fearful or full of fear that God won't come through. And again, it comes back to that thing of faith, doesn't it? That thing of faith. We become so focused on our anarchy, our problems, our symptoms, our giants, instead of focusing on Jesus' finished work of the cross. That was what communion was really getting to this morning, yeah, wasn't it? The wonderful thing that he did on the cross, the grace, the mercy, that it, it, it's a mystery. That's where our focus should be, yeah, amen? We should fear this happening to us, fear hearing the promises of God and not trusting them. Because I know I've been in seasons, and it's not to say I won't have another one, and I, I'm assuming now that there are others that have been the same. I don't have a problem believing the promises of God for everyone. They are yes and amen. But sometimes, maybe there's someone at home, that when it comes to believing that same promise for me, it's not that I don't believe it, it's just that I don't believe it. Yeah? Don't expect it. You know, how do we know? We've got to be rest conscious, not giant conscious. How do we know when we're in rest? We'll know because even before our body is healed, even before those bills are paid, right? Even before the car that's all crumpled because of an accident is fixed, even before we get results from the doctors, even before every problem in our life is resolved, if we're in a place of rest, then we'll believe that God will deliver us and we'll walk away in some way and we'll be at peace with that. And we'll be comfortable in that. You know, when we rest, God, God works. That, when it said Jesus sat, now he sits there waiting. I, I love that. Because we, we always call out to God who's our, he's our victor. He's going to conquer everything around us. But we never actually picture that, that passage of scripture that says, now Jesus is seated at the right hand while he waits for his enemies to become his footstool. That means even he allows the Father to work on his behalf. I mean, that's just brilliant. Like, it's so good. I don't think I've ever noticed it in 30 years. Like, he waits as the Father does what the Father has to do. You know, John 5, verses 8 to 9 says, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. <laughs> Here's something I don't reckon we pick up. We pick up the, the, what's going on, the Pharisees and Jesus and, you know, those that are upset with the healing, those that are happy with the healing. But Jesus tells him to pick up his mat. It happens on the Sabbath. Jesus says, just stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And the day was the Sabbath. It was a day of rest. A day of rest. They traditionally did nothing on that day and yet Jesus heals him on a day of rest. Yeah. I want to suggest that God is showing us something here. I actually, I, I heard Joseph Prince preach this and he says, I think what God is saying is that when we rest, he works. It's not happening for me. Maybe we need to rest in him. That again doesn't mean that we do nothing. It means that we are trusting in him. Yeah? If you've got a, a, a mental illness, you're suffering with anxiety, we trust him for the healing, 
But we in ourselves, in his power, might go and see a counsellor and work through things. But we're resting. We're not fighting. We're not warring. We're trusting in him, yeah? Does that make sense to anybody? Because our healing is in the rest. Think of it. Another example is the healing of a woman who was crippled and bent over for 18 years. Jesus heals her on what day? The Sabbath. Like if he's, re- he's really trying to upset the religious leaders of the day. Let's just pick every Sunday or Saturday for them, every Sabbath, and I'm going to heal somebody on the Sabbath. That's what I'll do. So Jesus heals her on the Sabbath. He heals her on the day of rest. Our healing is in the rest. Our, our healing is found in the place of rest. Let me, let me read it. Luke 13, verses 10 to 17, but I'll, I'll read it to make a point. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and, he immediate, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. (laughs) Ignorant. The Lord answered, You hypocrites, don't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all the opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted and all the wonderful things, all the wonderful things he was doing. The synagogue leader was indignant. Was indi- he was angry. Like he... He was frustrated. That would be like someone coming here, sitting there, and while we're worshipping, God heals the person of whatever it is. They know there's a healing. And then those of us that are leading, the worship team, myself, are angry because how dare you do that today? We're trying to run a service here. He, they messed up. The, Jesus messed up the program, all right? Her pastor was indignant. She was healed on the day of rest because she was healed on the Sabbath. Now, it just said that the Sabbath day was a day that they wouldn't work, yet the healing, the healing happened on the Sabbath. You know why? Because they saw healing as work. They saw healing as work, but that, that can't be work. It's impossible because it's got nothing to do with the person that's being healed. The person that's being healed has got nothing to do with it at all. It's all God. God brought the healing. God did the healing. God lifted and healed the woman and the man and us. It's not, when God heals me of something, I've not done it. It's not my great faith because the Bible tells us there are people that have been healed that have got faith and people that have been healed that have got no faith. So the work, the work, it's not a work. It's a miracle. It's a God thing, amen? It's all him, it's all God. As we walk in rest, as we live in rest, play with words, the rest is up to him. Come on. Yeah, I reckon that was pretty good. Thanks, Emmy. I'm going to come up with some really good jokes for your wedding. Um, Luke 13, 16. Just warming up for that. (laughs) 
Then should not this woman, a daughter of, she's so worried now, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Jesus said that her healing came just by being a daughter of God, really. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, in other words, a child of God, some Christians, some believers still think that healing is man's work. It's our work, not God's work. Let me explain it like this. They think, I'm not doing enough. That's why I'm not healed. I need to pray more. That's why I'm not healed. I'm not giving enough. I haven't been to church as often as I should. I haven't loved on people. My prayer time's not what it should be. And they find it hard to believe that healing can be as simple as being at rest in the finished work of Jesus. That's why we have to hold and guard this truth, guarding a truth that God's placed in our hearts, that he loves us, that he's madly in love with, with us. And his heart for us is always, his purpose for us, for us is always for good. It's always for us to prosper, even if that means we go home to heaven. That's still for good. Yeah, look, I know if God was to take me today, I know that Melanie would be sad. I know the boys, would they, their lives would not be worth living. They'd be so broken, I'm sure. Right? And, and as much as I want to be here with my family, I'm going to be with God. And, and not only that, like if it was the rapture and all of us were to be taken, I don't have to pay my mortgage. How good would that be? Someone else's problem. Those that aren't believers that have gone home. Some Christians find it hard just to marinate in the truth that rest, 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 rest is where God lives, where God works. That's where he wants us. When I went to my prayer retreat a few weeks ago, that's what I was reminded of. God smashed me, totally spoke to me. Like the moment that I stepped onto one grain of sand at the beach, for three days, just because I was resting. There was no agenda. Yeah, I know we spend time now, but it's always like I've got an hour. I've got half an hour. I've got to go back to work. I've got to do something, yeah? Sorry, this mic keeps falling. <laughs> but when I was there, there was no agenda. I was just there for three days. I was there. Had nowhere to be. I stepped onto the beach. I kid you not, like I always share with our friendship group, that God talks to us the way that we understand. I step onto the beach, and we've got an exercise to do to talk to the Lord. And as I step there, I go, hey, God. And he goes, oh, finally, glad you could make it. Like, seriously, I just started bawling, bawling, because it's a place of rest. It's not doing, it's not busyness. We all get busy, work and school and study and uni and sport and fitness and that's where the devil wants us to live so that we're not aware of God because I'm telling you, the minute I stepped onto the, every time, it didn't matter. I went to a cafe. I had nowhere to be. I sat down. I opened up a book to write and I just started crying. I got back to my, one of my sessions. They go, has anyone got some insight, something God said? I go, yeah, I do. What's, what is it, Andrew? Don't go to a place where they're going to see you crying, bawling your eyes out. Because God just wants to meet, meet us in that place of rest. He takes away. It's not as simple as I'm making it, but that's where he takes away anxiety. 
It's where he takes away the panic. It's where he takes away the depression. It's a journey, but it's resting in him, sitting, sitting with him. And when we're not doing that, everything within us is counter-cultural, not out there, cultural to heaven. Even words healed and relaxed. Do you know healed and relaxed are actually almost the same word in Hebrew? One of the Hebrew names of God is Jehovah Rapha, yeah? Which means, I, the Lord, am your healing. That's in Exodus 15, 26. But the Hebrew word Rapha not only means to heal, but one of its root definitions also means the relaxed. How did we miss this? That we're running around like chooks in a Rocky movie trying to catch the chicken. You know, like, why? Why are we just running around like, like headless chooks? Anyone ever seen that? I remember when my dad did that once when he was alive. It was so funny. I found it funny. Like, they're just funny. They just sort of dart around without a head. Anyway, <laughs> don't try it at home unless you've got parents that don't want the chicken to lay any more eggs. Anyway, healing comes by being at rest, not by working. Jesus' death has given us life and wholeness. So we have to enter his place of rest. It's found in him. You know, God doesn't say, wait until all your enemies have been destroyed, until every problem is dealt with, until your life is perfect, then you can rest. He says, rest first until I make all your enemies your footstool. Like, I love that because it's a challenge for all of us. Rest, sit now and wait until I make your enemies your footstool. But yet most of us, we want to fix the situation first. We want to hear what the doctor says. We want to make sure we get the all clear before we can actually rest. We want to make sure that we get that better job, the bigger job, the more money, so that we can stop you know, worrying before we rest. Find it hard to rest because our human nature, nature is inclined toward worry and being restless and fearful. <laughs> and the devil loves it when our human nature begins to reign in the house of God. Because the awareness of God slowly walks out the door with that. The enemy loves when he gets us there. God wants us in our nature to reign. He loves us so much. We're seated with him on the throne. Yes, rest, you and I. We need to rest first. Trust him first. He wants us to find rest in the midst of our storms, doesn't he? Rest in him. And things will go well. Even when things don't go well, they're still well because they're ordained by him. But you and I, will we rest in the midst of our enemies? You know, Psalm 23, and this has got to be one of my favourite scriptures, not the whole psalm, it's all very good. But verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy." You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, not in the absence of them. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our problems, our situations, our circumstances, our diagnoses, yeah, whatever it might be, our medical conditions, the stuff that we're fretting. In the presence of all of those, he sets a table for us, not in the absence of them. And yet so many of us are like, but Lord, how can we eat? How can we rest? Our enemies are here. This stuff's still coming against us. Are you insane? The minute I sit down to rest, to eat, I'll probably die. I'm still in lack. 
The sickness is still in my body. I don't have enough finances. My kids are still growing up and mucking up. I'm just trying to be a parent. How can I rest? But God says, eat. I've prepared a table. Because you know why? He knows what you and I need. He just knows. He knows. He loves us so unconditionally. And he just says, rest. Sit with me. Sit with me. Sit with me. Rest. Stop doing. I've got to go here. Stop. Mel tells me all the time, stop. Stop thinking it. I can't help it. Why? Because the thoughts in my head, they bounce. You have no idea the amount of thoughts that are in my head. Samuel even jokes with me sometimes. He goes, it must be sad being you, being so, so frustrated and upset all the time. Sometimes it's hard because I've got thoughts that just bounce one thing to the other to the other. They never stop. If it's not church, it's home. If it's not home, it's kids. And just, but God says, rest. Stop, rest. How many of us need to hear it? Rest. Rest. Don't wait for it to be done. Don't wait for things to be gone. Just rest. The reason we can rest is because Jesus defeated, defeated the enemy and he took our place on the cross. He's done it all. It's a finished work. You know, it says in Hebrews, but when the priest, this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool. For one, for by one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy, we only need to rest in him. Oh, gosh. I'm going to ask you to stand, please. The Christian life is a life that's day by day, it's moment by moment, hour by hour, trusting in him, in his promises, in his word for us, to us. It's a life that will help us, it'll guide us, it'll take care of us, it'll forgive us, it'll bring us into a future that's full of hope. But our hearts have to be satisfied with him. And when we're busy, when we're restless, maybe our hearts aren't satisfied with him. Because there are other things that are more important, that are pressing, that are a priority just for now, just for today, just to get it out the way. I've just got to get this done. And then 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 years later, we still have not got to him. I want to finish with this. Are we resting? Just If you close your eyes for a moment, just to pose questions. I think Holy Spirit speaks in that place. Are we resting in his finished work? Are you and I, are we at rest? Another question is, if we are at rest, what should our response be? <laughs> this is what our response should be. Isaiah 54. Sing, O childless woman. Yeah? You catching this? You who have never given birth, break into loud and joyful song. O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labour, for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense. For soon, you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. 
Jesus has defeated the enemies and God is telling the childless woman to rejoice. The childless or barren woman in this picture is someone who hasn't seen the results they've hoped for. I've still got this disease. I've still got this illness. It's someone who the signs of health in their body or or the signs of abundance in their situation hasn't come to pass. I I don't have enough. I I can't pay my bills. I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. I don't know how I'm going to get that for my kids who need that. I I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't see. And yet he says here, sing. Sing now. Prepare for your blessing, even if you can't see it. That's why the, that song that we sing, even, even when we don't see it, he's working. If we're resting in him, he's working. Enlarge your home, prepare for growth, spin it. Even if you can't see it, rejoice. Rejoice and rest. That, that should be our response. Our response once we move to a place of rest is to rejoice in the midst of our turmoil, in the midst of the stuff that's falling apart. Imagine if you're a barren woman and you're singing, Hallelujah, I'm a mother of many. Imagine what the people around you will think. Imagine if you've got someone sick in your home and you're saying, but glory be to God, we're trusting in him. We know God's going to do a healing here. Those that don't know him will say, you're nuts, thank you. Nuts for Jesus. I've got to put my trust somewhere. Better that I trust in him than trust anywhere else. It sounds like Abram, doesn't it? Being named Abraham. I mean, the bloke, Sarah, was barren. And yet God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, the father of many. Sometimes we've just got to rejoice. Don't let unbelief rob us of rest. Be fearful of that. There is joy. That, this morning it was so evident for, to me anyway that we needed to sing and just be joyful in the presence of God. Because when we're at rest, nothing else matters. Life circumstances don't go away. That stuff's still there. That stuff's still heavy. But in him, but in him there's rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, it says, doesn't it? And I will give you... That's our promised land. That's your promised land. And so today, if the worship team wants to come forward... They can play something, but I just want to open the altar. I wasn't going to open the altar, but I'm going to open the altar. Come forward, guys. I just there's, there's people here that need to rejoice. There's people here that need to let go. There's people here that need to trust in Him. It won't make sense. Yeah, it will not make sense. The circumstance has not changed. But you've got to reposture yourself and just place yourself at his feet and rest in him. Because whenever we're heavy laden, whenever there's cares and worries in life, whenever we're weighed down by those things, the scripture's clear, come to me, all you are weary, all you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. So very simply today, Andrew, can you just play something in the background? Would that be okay? If that's you today, I'm just going to ask you to come forward and we're going to pray. If you need rest today, come forward. 
If you're feeling tired and weary, come forward. If you know that you've been busy, rest less today, come forward. If you know that you've not had a fear of missing out on that rest, but you wish you could step into that rest, then come forward. God is looking for a people. Gosh, God is looking for a people that will rest, not a people that will do and will go and will be busy. There's enough churches like that already. He just wants a people that will trust in him. I want to be part of that, people. If that's you, please, if that's you, you could already be there, amen. But if that's you, come, come to the front. Come and worship him. Come and rejoice in his presence. And come and let's be a people, amen.